Hi there, I'm Angus Mary, the assistant sports editor for the Queen's Journal. In this week's episode of The Scramble, I sit down with Queen's grad Rob Whirling, who recently went viral after he posted a video of himself jumping a 25-foot gap and dunking on ice skates. In addition to being a daredevil, Whirling also performs as an ice cross downhill athlete, which you may also know as Red Bull Crashed Ice. Over the course of our conversation, Rob and I talk about everything, from his love of sport, to the ins and outs of ice cross, and of course, what went on behind the scenes for that insane dunk. I had an incredible time speaking with Rob, and I hope some of the memories and experiences he shares over the course of our chat bring a smile to your face as much as they did mine. Happy listening. I guess the first question I just want to ask you is like, what you sort of identify as like you know i've looked at your instagram page a lot and you just seem to do everything like what do you really i don't know what would you call yourself i guess that's like that's the million dollar question that's like a question i've struggled with my entire life you know growing up like in high school i probably played i played a ton of sports and like that was always my biggest problem is i could never choose just one but I think lately, since I got into ice cross, I feel pretty comfortable saying I'm an ice cross skater or an ice cross athlete, um, because that's kind of been my biggest focus for the last four years. But, you know, behind that, I would say, you know, like hockey player, tennis player, those are all things that kind of came to mind, even though I'm kind of washed up in both of those departments. So, uh, <laughs> But yeah, I, I think at this point, ice cross, athlete, ice cross athlete is probably the safest bet. And like, what exactly is ice cross? Because I'm only really familiar with like Red Bull crash ice. Is that sort of one and the same? Or? Yeah, you're bang on. It's it's the exact same thing. And like, that's this video has been really good for clearing that up uh, just because of all the exposure it's got. But ice cross has been around for a while, but you're absolutely right. Most people just know it as Red Bull Crash Dice, which was like the brand name. But yeah, the sport is called Ice Cross Downhill. There's a governing organization called the ATSX that kind of looks over the sport. And then Red Bull, they sponsor like the top level races for the sport. So there's still like two to three tiers of events that happen below the Red Bull Crash Dice events. Well, yeah, you sort of touched on, you know, growing up, you played a lot of sports. Obviously, I'm guessing you played just a ton of hockey. What's your relationship like with hockey? So I actually didn't even play that high level of hockey. I played like my whole life, but I only ever played house league. Like I never played competitive, which I think in part is actually probably why I'm, you know, a decent skater because I never had to worry about getting absolutely rocked. I could just, you know, try and skate around people. There was, if you're faster than someone, there's nothing they can do about it. Right. Um, So I think that actually definitely played to my advantage and, uh, yeah, you know, not playing competitive hockey also just kind of opened up the door for me uh, in like a lot of other sports, which in ice cross helps a lot because, you know, if you look a lot of the top guys in the world, they're very kind of like multi-dimensional athletes that come from a bunch of different backgrounds. And because there's not really a good way to train for ice cross in like one department, you kind of have to be able to like adapt pretty quickly, which I think guys who come from like a broad sports background do a better job of in general so from the hockey sort of standpoint it actually worked out perfectly for ice cross and were you doing any crazy stunts like this when you were growing up like I'm just curious like what you used to spend your time doing yeah I mean yeah I would say so I mean I was always (laughs) a big skier so essentially like 
the year I got my first GoPro, I just would like try and film anything. And a lot of it was like on skis because especially in Ottawa, obviously we like, we get a ton of snow here. So, you know, every big powder dump, we would just like go out and kind of like make our own rail setup or like a huge kicker at the park or stuff like that. So I think the skiing background definitely got me into like the more like stunt side of things, I would say. And then, uh, yeah, just like being comfortable on skates just made the crossover like the perfect fit for that. And how did you get involved in all of this? Like, how did how did you open the door to Ice Cross? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's like, that's again, why the exposure here has been so good, because I get to explain this and get it across to even more people. But so my first race was in 2017 in Ottawa. They had like a big end of the year race there. And having it in Ottawa is like, kind of what brought it to my attention even though I'd seen it you know when I was probably like 14 15 like the Quebec City races I'd just like randomly see on TSN and I'd always wanted to do it but at the time you had to be 18 and then I kind of just forgot about it so when it came back to Ottawa I was like, like I gotta look at how to get into this now and that was the first year they had a junior category and they were like really desperate to try and grow it so it was actually just an online application to get in I just like filled up filled out my application. They were like, yeah, you look at, like this would be a good fit for you. Um, why don't you try and go get some practice before this event? Cause it's like, it's the last race of the season. It's like a very technically demanding track. Uh, there's a race the weekend before in New Brunswick. I highly recommend you go to that. And it just like kind of worked out that that was during my reading week. So like with buddy, we drove all the way out there like 14 hours. They ended up having to cancel the race because it was so warm. So I drive 14 hours back and then, yeah, like literally just standing at the top of the track in Ottawa being like, oh man, like I'm so screwed here. Like I've never done this before, but I mean, one time down the track and I was completely hooked. It was like the most fun I'd ever had. And then after that, it's just uh, like anyone who wants to get involved, they just go to icecross.org and you can literally, you can create your own profile, look at all the upcoming races and anyone can participate and sign up for any race except for the top tier. So there's, there's a ton of opportunities to just even try the sport and there's always new people at every event. Um, you just have to travel a little bit to get there, but there's always at least two uh, qualifying events or like lower tier events in Canada, usually one like Northern Quebec and one on the East coast. Do you think like the path that you took to getting into Ice Cross was sort of the conventional one? Like you just said, you signed up. Do most people start in doing that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely had things. I, I definitely got lucky in the sense that I was able to compete in like a crashed ice event right away. Like sometimes it takes a good, you know, two or three years to build up enough experience to qualify for one of those top events. Um, but in terms of getting experience, I mean, my path was no different, right? Like just the more races you can go to, the better you're going to get. And if you're determined enough and, and willing to travel, then yeah, you can, you can sign up for as many races as you want. It just, you're going to have to travel a lot farther. And what's your training like for these types of events? Like, what do you do to prepare? <laughs> it's always changing, but, uh, for the most part, the most stable thing seems to like, at least for like the last, like five to 10 years is like everybody rollerblades in the summer, no matter what. It's like the best thing you can do for yourself to get better at the sport is get a pair of rollerblades and like hit a skate park all summer. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just get used to like dropping in on like quarter pipes or clearing small gaps. Pump tracks are really good too. If you have some, any sort of like asphalt or like wood pump track, obviously those are a little harder to come by, but yeah, rollerblading is, is by far the best because amount of times or opportunities you get to actually skate downhill on ice is like next to nothing outside of events, which is actually why this track that, that we built this winter has been so great because it's probably the best training opportunity we've ever had. And did you rollerblade at all before you, you got into ice cross? No, it's like after my first year, I like, I saw a bunch of the guys at, uh, they would post videos of them training at Joyride 150, which is like a huge, it's like one of the biggest indoor bike parks in Canada. It's just outside of Toronto. It's in Markham. And they just would like rent out the place for the day and hit it on the rollerblades. And I messaged one of them. I was like, hey, like, can I come try this with you guys? And they were like, yeah, absolutely. Like get yourself a pair of rollerblades and get out here. So in 2018, so my third year in university, that was the year after my first race in Ottawa, I would just, I would go up the street, like on Princess Street and rent a car from Enterprise every Thursday and just drive to Markham for the day and train and come back. So yeah, rollerblades is the best thing you can do. And I mean, what about like other sort of physical activity? Are you doing like a lot of cardio, decent bit of weights, that sort of stuff? Yeah, I really stepped up, I guess, my like physical training last year. I mean, I had a decent amount of success um, after my second season. So that's when I was like, okay, like I want to go all out for this next one, see how well I can do. And yeah, the weights, especially like a lot of legs stuff, just to get you like really secure on, uh, you know, transitions, like it's the going down or hitting like a berm corner where like your legs really feel it. So if you can be super strong and stable coming out of those, like a lot of squats, all that stuff helps a ton. But nothing beats, like, the more technical training you can get, the better. Like, rollerblades makes the biggest difference. The weights and stuff are all good, but nothing's going to be the technical stuff. What's the season like for Ice Cross? Like, when does it start? When does it end? Or is there sort of no starter end to it? Yeah, no, it, it, it's really short and really condensed and a ton of traveling. Um, you know, it, it starts usually around mid to late December and runs until you know first or second weekend of march and like that's usually it but during that you know three month window there's like a race pretty much every weekend and you're you're in like a different country every weekend so it's like really intense and you know you're you're not making a lot of money you're you're probably losing money in most cases like (laughs) more often than not it just turns out to be like a super expensive hobby unless unless you can kind of pull your weight and sponsorships and stuff like that um but yeah I would say I mean our schedule last year was like started December I literally left Christmas day and our first race was in Austria then next weekend was France then Switzerland and then we were back to Canada and the U.S. for a bit and then over to Japan and then Finland like it's just all over the map it's it's pretty crazy and pretty hectic for three months but it's a ton of fun yeah I mean you know, how difficult is it like financing that sort of stuff? Cause it just seems like you, those, like the plane tickets alone would just, you know, drive you into the red so quickly. Yeah. You're, you're scrambling to, I, the great thing is though, is everybody's in the exact same boat. Um, so you're, you know, you're crammed into like a four person Airbnb and <laughs> like eight guys. 
people are very good at doing things very cheap and prize money has gotten a lot better, especially in the last two years. So, you know, there was a couple race weekends in like Finland or I can't remember where else, but that I did pretty well and probably ended up breaking even or even making a bit of money on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in most cases, it's, it's not the most glamorous traveling, but everyone's in the same boat. And yeah, it just kind of ensures that everyone you're traveling with is there because they love the sport and they're there to have a good time because you know you're most cases there on your own dollar so and do you feel like you've made just a a ton of friendships by doing this with the guys you're competing oh yeah yeah Yeah. you you travel with like it's the same core group of guys and girls for the most part you know every event you'll get like some locals or some new athletes out and that's always fun to meet them and meet new people but yeah i've developed like a pretty close core group of friends that I've traveled with for the better part of the last three years so yeah it's really cool on in that respect and are are a lot of them Canadians or are they sort of around the world from around the world too yeah you you meet everyone man like like probably like some of the closest group of friends I travel with are like got like a couple Australians another Canadian bunch of Americans and uh Actually, I spent a better part of my traveling last season with uh, two really close Swiss friends. So you, you get everything because everyone has to travel from everywhere. So you're, you always see the same people at, at every race, even though everyone's from all over the map. And what's sort of like the competition like? Like, is it always sort of like a friendly rivalry? Yeah, that's a good one. Like, people are very good at, like, at being very friendly outside competition because you don't spend a lot of time on the ice like for how far you travel and how much you're waiting to race whereas like if you don't if you're not a friendly person like you're not gonna have a good time so like everyone's very good outside of the race but as soon as the race is on everyone's very much like in their own mindset it's a very competitive group of people you know you spend a couple like a few grand on a plane ticket to get to japan and you get there like you want to win right so everyone's got that same mindset but there's a lot of respect there too so it's a perfect balance for the most part for most people where do you think like your favorite place has been that you've traveled to so i've been to japan the last two years and like that to me was like super eye-opening because i'd never that was just total culture shock. Like I just had never really experienced anywhere near that. So I've had a ton of fun there. I think just because of how different everything was over there and how new it was like to me, like that was probably one of the coolest. That being said, like every race in Finland is always a blast. It's just like Finland like feels a lot like home and it's just like, I don't know. I always seem to be in like a very relaxed mood when we're there. So I always end up doing well there. So I like Finland too. And what have been some of like your best events that you think you've participated in over the past four years? That's a tough one. Like they're all, they're all pretty unique and, and special in their own ways. But I, I would go, honestly, I, even though I, even though I sucked, I would, I would go back to Ottawa just because of how new and exciting everything was and, and being at home with all my friends and family out watching. Like, I think that one's got to be up there, if not at number one. And I don't know, this is, I guess, like sort of like the big question, but, you know, how has COVID impacted the sport and I guess your training too? Yeah, it like, I mean, like anything, COVID's had like a, a huge effect on the season, especially because we travel, our travel is like, and our sport is so global. Yeah, the season's pretty, like, 
as far as I'm concerned, it's canceled. There, there's, there have been a few regional races that people have gone to, but there's nothing in Canada. So the Canadians aren't racing. I think there was one in the States and a couple in Austria, but for the most part, there's no, uh, there's no world championship this year. So that's been tough and like too bad. Um, but I mean, we all saw it coming and yeah. it gave us a ton of time to, you know, make our own track and probably get some of the best training we've ever had. And uh, yeah, I mean, if anything, this, well, everything with the social media and the videos we've been posting, it's, it's been a great opportunity for me to, you know, grow my own social media channels and also, you know, get a lot of attention and exposure on, on the sport in a year where I think it really needs it. So it sucks, but it's been, a, it's been a big win-win situation without the season. So. And what are your hopes for the future? Like, what are you, what are you looking to achieve? I'm not sure how much longer you want to do this or whether or not, I don't know if, if like going pro is, is, is sort of a thing in ice cross, but wh- where are you sort of looking to in the future? Yeah. I mean, I, I just love competing. So I, I would love to do this for as, as long as possible. You know, there's, there's always talks about, you know, will ice cross ever be in the Olympics? And like, obviously that's something that a lot of guys and, and, and girls in, in the sport kind of hold on to and hope for who knows with that stuff. I mean, I think the sport it's come a tremendously long way, even since I started in terms of growth. So I'd say it's definitely a possibility. I don't know how big a possibility there is for that to happen while I'm still racing, but yeah, we'll just continue to, you know, grow the sport as best we can. And if that happens while I'm still racing, that would be the coolest thing ever. So. And what have been some of your like best placements in ice cross events over the past four years? Last year, uh, I had my bet. Well, my first podium was in Finland. Uh, I finished third and that's been my like best single race result more than anything last year is just like, that was the first year I really like consistently was able to put up like solid results. You know, I'm still not right up there with the, the top guys. And I think the, the thing that's so impressive about I'd say like the top five guys in the world and girls in the world is like their ability to get to you know at least the semis or the finals every single race um you know at, there's so much chaos in the races and things that can go wrong that you know any, anyone can kind of get lucky every once in a while and have a really good result but it's 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 the people that are able to like, as I said, those top five in each category that can like make the semis and finals every single race, like that's the most impressive. So yeah, Finland was, was definitely a, a big one for me, but it's just consistently getting better. would be the most important. So. And what kind of field are you competing in? Like, is it 10, 20, 30, 40 people that you're competing against overall? Uh, it, it definitely varies on the race. I would say on average, there's probably 90 to 120 guys at, at each event so yeah I mean obviously it depends some locations are harder to get to than others and less desirable so you know you'll have some races where there's only like 80 but for the most part I would say it's around 100 and yeah I mean for me personally though I'm usually racing against the same 64 guys for like or close to because you know you, you do get a lot of uh, locals and, and newcomers and the way the format works is, you know, there's a hundred people, let's say, but you do your time trials. And then after time trials, they'll take the top 32 people and put them in the main event on Saturday. And then everyone ranked 33 to 96 
will race in what they call like qualifying heats on Friday. And the winners of those will fill out those remaining 32 spots on Saturday in the main event. So then you're, you have like a round of 64. Um, so that, that Saturday night race is like, those, those are usually for the most part, like the same 64 guys a lot of times. So are there any like particular rivalries that you think you have with, with like somebody who's like really even with you? I wouldn't say not yet. I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm good enough yet to, you know, <laughs> develop a consistent rivalry. Uh, there's definitely some good ones in the sport, but as I said, like you, you gotta be up there for the, like the Croxalls and the Delagos. Those are two sets of brothers that have always had a big rivalry. And, and the reason they're able to develop that rivalry is because like, there's always at least two of them in the final or at least the semis because they're, they're good enough where they're consistently there. Whereas, you know, I'm not quite there yet. I would say last year I probably like was able to make the round of 16 almost every race, but you kind of got to be semis or finals to with one other person a lot to develop that kind of rivalry, but we'll see. I've also only been doing it three years. So who knows, maybe we'll develop one later on. Well, doesn't your brother compete too? Yeah, he. Uh, I actually just got him into it last year. It was like the best thing that ever happened. He. Yeah. Uh, it was completely spontaneous. He came back from uh, from first semester at Queens. He was home for Christmas. He had he had a huge. Ch- I don't know how he managed. He had like almost over a month off. And uh, yeah, I think, I think he had a tough semester at school, like a little more challenging than he was expecting. And yeah, we just were out for a skate one night, like kind of like two weeks before Christmas and he was just like you know just blows rough like da, 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 da. I wish I could come travel I was like hey we're like, why don't you just come for like two three weeks like after I'm leaving Christmas day like why don't you just get a ticket and come mm-hmm. and yeah he did he did really well in Austria and uh yeah then he just kind of made the most of the season and same thing he's been hooked ever since which is a common theme with most people who try to sport I guess with that I just want to turn the uh the ice dunk video now yeah. Um, you know, I sort of asked you earlier, like, you know, if you were doing sort of like crazy stunts like that when you were a kid, when did you start doing like, like actual, like sort of, you know, experimental stuff like this that we sort of see in the video? So I think in high school, one Christmas, I got this thing called a Banshee bungee. It's essentially like a massive slingshot that you like tie around a, a tree and it like fires you off so you can get speed on skis from anywhere. And I distinctly remember that Christmas, we like made a ton of jumps and it was like super fun. But I would say ever since getting into ice cross, that's when like things have really like kind of gone off in terms of like doing crazy stunts because, you know, when you're at a race, I just like developed like a much stronger mentality and like, okay, like, I can do this and like these are the progressions I'm gonna take to do this because as soon as the season starts I have to do that every every weekend you know it doesn't matter how uncomfortable you feel on a track when you get there you have to like be good to go by the time the races roll around so yeah I would say it's probably been there since high school but since I started racing that mentality is is gotten a lot stronger. And do you think they sort of like pose value as just being these things where you can have fun doing them, but they also sort of like help you develop techniques as well? Yeah, for sure. Honestly, and I think this is, I mean, I I don't know, but I think this is a case with probably a lot of extreme sports is it's more mental than anything. Like 
more often than not, you, you, if you're even thinking about something, you, you probably have the, the technical skills to do it. You just, you just need to get your mindset there. Um, so yeah, I think the racing has helped a ton in that respect, because as I said, it, just like anything, you just have to practice it and having that mindset is no different. And when you have to do it every weekend, I think you just naturally get better at it. So, and, uh, when did you specifically come up with the idea of doing the ice dunk? That was probably about three, four days before we filmed it. So we'd been on the track for probably about two weeks before that, you know, just training, yeah, just getting better and better on it every day. And we got to the point where we didn't really want, I mean, we want to make it longer, but it, it takes so much work to maintain that every time we add a new feature, it's just more work at the end of the day to like flood everything and make sure that it's all patched up. So we were trying to think of, you know, different ways that, you know, we could keep ourselves entertained and like shoot new videos and yeah, the basketball net kind of just like came up randomly and yeah, kind of loved it from my parents' place down to the track one day and it was perfect. And that's, that's like the track is the place where you shot the video on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the track is at my buddy Dan's family's cottage, which is about 30 minutes out of the city. So we go up every day and then we're back by dinner time. And I mean, what was going through your head? Like, right up to and like right after you did the 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 dunk itself like I don't know if you practiced it a bunch of times beforehand and you succeeded what was going through your head yeah so the one I made was it was attempt number five like with the basketball in my hand but like I said we've been on the track for like two weeks before that um and all day we'd been riding that track so like you know, I'd done that line a million times. We'd gap those rollers, you know, multiple, multiple times. So yeah, once I had the basketball in my hand, it was really just a case of kind of sending it. And uh, I was really close actually on the first try, which would have been great because like every time after that, I, I actually like banged on my knee pretty bad that day. Uh, when I when I got it, I had no idea I'd done it, to be completely honest. Really? I don't think I haven't told anyone that yet either until now, but I, I didn't have a clue. I I kind of like hit the ice after and I heard everyone go like, oh, and I was like, oh man, because they'd done that every time I'd missed, right? Because I'd been so close and I was like, oh, I missed again. And then like, I'm looking around and no one's saying anything. I was like, did I go in? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, oh, sweet, nice. <laughs> I actually had no idea until like a good like five, 10 seconds after. And like, when did you realize that it had like blown up? Like what was the sort of like timeline for when it happened? Uh, so I posted Thursday morning, um, and it got a lot of track. It actually didn't get as much traction as other videos on TikTok, which is really surprising, but that that's like classic TikTok. Like nobody really knows how that platform works, like algorithm side of things. Uh, like I knew I had something pretty good, but again, like you never really know. So I posted Thursday morning. I, you know, my phone was like, kind of blown up a little bit in the morning and then I went to go teach so I, I teach tennis here in Ottawa and I went to go teach a couple lessons from like 12 to 2 mm -hmm. and I got I finished my I have a can my phone on when I'm on the court and I got off and like my phone was like broken like it was just like my phone was just annihilated with messages and I was like getting texts from everywhere and people were just like messaging, oh this this site posted it this uh, this person tweeted it and like that's when it was like oh man this is going crazy Cool. And like, 
I mean, I don't know, I'm sure you've had a bunch of like crazy people or organizations like reach out to you in the aftermath, like who have been sort of the craziest or maybe just most famous people that have reached out to you? It, it actually, it, it took me so long just to like be able to like scroll through the comments and like find things. Cause like, I was just like getting pounded with emails and, and messages for like share requests and media requests. But I saw finally that, uh, well, OBJ commented, which was like pretty cool. But honestly, some of the coolest for me were when I started getting messages, people saying, oh, you're like, it was on the raps game or it was on sports center. Cause like, those are things that I like grew up watching as a kid. So to see it like on the sports center top 10 or even just, uh, uh, Jay Onright was talking about it on uh, on Jay on on Sports Center like that that's cool that was pretty cool and probably the most special to me because I've watched that stuff forever so that, that was the best. I went on like the Barstool app on like or like the Barstool like subscription thing on my Snapchat and I saw it there too. I was like, oh my god, this is crazy! It's really blown up. Um, I guess the question I don't know if you saw that 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 uh, Barstool thing, but the guy who was like doing the commenting was like, not a dunk, not a dunk. Yeah. What did you think about that? <laughs> I mean, it's been, honestly, it's been hilarious because uh, it's not even just on Barstool. Like if you go on any platform and open up the comments, it's just like half of social media is being like, oh, what a dunk. And then half of social media is like, it's not a dunk. Like his fingers <laughs> didn't touch the rim. And then people are arguing about all sorts of like past NBA dunks where they didn't touch the rim. And it's just, if anything, it's it's hilarious though because it's pumping engagement on every post, which is like awesome. It just makes it even more uh, like it get, just gets it everywhere even more. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not. I never like grew up playing basketball, so I honestly like had no idea. I just thought it was like a judgment call. Like if you're close enough, it's a dunk. But <laughs> yeah, it's been pumping engagement, and if anything, it kind of sets the stage for a part two. So. It's, it's worked out perfectly in that sense. Cool, cool. Um, and I guess one question I wanted to ask sort of earlier is like you mentioned sort of like financial support and sponsors sort of going after you as like your own brand. Do you think this is going to help you in that sort of regard? Yeah, 100%. This has been like the kind of like the focus all along was to grow my own social media channels this year so that, you know, if hopefully we have a season next year, I'll, uh, I'll have a little more support on the sponsorship side of things. And yeah, I mean, I've been working on the social media stuff for almost a year now. Um, and I, I haven't made any money up until this point, but I'm hoping now, like, this is the step in the right direction to, you know, maybe start making some money there. So fingers crossed. And like, how do you usually like, get sponsors for your, uh, your performances? It's super tough. Um, I mean, I've tried for like two, three years, and I haven't had any sponsorships. And the hard thing about it is, it's a tough pitch because you need to show uh, consistent results and, you know, like I'm going to be on, I'm going to have airtime for this amount or stuff like that. So when you're getting into it, it's really difficult. Um, but I'm hopeful now with all the social media attention and, you know, with having probably my best result ever last season that I'll have a few more opportunities next time around. Have any like particular sponsors reached out to you so far? Uh, not at the moment. But that's mainly because we, we don't have a season. But yeah. hopefully, I've got a couple kind of brand partnerships that I'm hoping they can kind of capitalize on. But that's for more of the social media side of things. So we'll see. Do you feel like this pressure now 
to kind of like keep upping the ante to have that same shock value? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's not anything new though, I wouldn't say because, you know, since about a month ago, I've been posting videos on TikTok like every, you know, few days. And it's like, every time you have a big video, you, you want to make your next one even bigger. But I think like, that's a healthy thing. Like it's just like, you know, every time I go out and shoot, I, I want to make something cool. So for the most part, as long as I can keep creating cool content and keep coming up with ideas, then I think it'll be fine. Another question I have for you was like, do you think you've ever done something more impressive than that dunk and it hasn't gotten as much exposure? That's a tough one. I feel like I've done things more technically demanding that might not have looked as good. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but that's probably one that has looked the good, the best, but that was calculated. It was, it was shot to look good from the get-go and I had tons of practice. So has anybody else, I feel like you said you go up to the track every single day. I'm sure you have, you know, your buddies, maybe your brother just going out with you. Have other people like tried to do the dunk as well? Uh, not yet. I mean, me, and so I built the track with my friend Dan Gual and Justin Doherty. And the track is at Dan's family's cottage, as I mentioned before. And then my brother's been up quite a bit because he was home for Christmas break. Those are the only four people who have been able to ride the track just because with COVID and everything, we can't really have anyone else up there. Up until this point, Dan and Justin have been uh, too banged up to attempt it. So no one else has tried it yet i'm sure they probably could do it if they if they tried but yeah they're they're getting over injuries so we'll see it's nice to have that title for a while eh? you just yeah, you're yeah. the only person who can do it so what is i don't know if you if you're you're okay sort of talking about it if you want us to put it in the article like what sort of stuff are you planning for like future videos to be completely honest it's entirely weather dependent the the timing of of the dunk video was <laughs> in terms of weather it was horrendous because I was getting all these message requests, but we were also scrambling to get to the track because it was literally just like drowning in the lake. It was so warm. Um, but we just got it under control yesterday. So we're going to have like a good four days now of, of filming. And then I think we're going to lose the track next week for good because it's supposed to be really warm. So up until that, we have a couple things, definitely just getting my hand on the rim for a dunk and like you know, establishing that I can do it as an actual dunk, probably the most important. Maybe we'll get some alley-oops in there. I don't know. We'll see. One of the other big things is if we can get like a giant pole cut out in the ice that we can kind of gap some water and get some people in there. So we'll, we'll see. Cool. All, all just ideas. It's uh, time is, is of the essence right now. So we'll see how much we can cram into the next four days and yeah, see what happens. Cool. And so like once you're not able to use this track, like is it are there any other sort of indoor places that you can go to or is it sort of like straight to rollerblades after this it's probably going to be rollerblades yeah there's there's nowhere else we can really go downhill on on skates uh ice skates but you know there's there's some really good facilities as i said joyride in toronto is is a good one i'm sure there will be plenty of opportunities there and then uh there's actually a really massive indoor and outdoor skate park in think Pennsylvania it's called Woodward I don't know if you saw the social media videos of that guy going down uh, the mega ramp on his rollerblades with a hockey stick and puck he's, he's a nice cross guy and uh yeah he lives there so if if the COVID restrictions hopefully you know get a little better by the summer maybe we can go out there but yeah it's probably gonna be rollerblades after this the the sort of final thing I want to establish is like like what's your ideal 
like profession like what do you want to be doing in the next couple of years like what's like best like ultimate best case scenario like what are you looking at and going yeah no that's yeah i've put a lot of thought into that obviously so obviously with how the sport's going it's you can't make a living off just the sport so i think my end end game right now would be to you know keep growing the social media and in hopes of you know transferring more followers over to youtube and if i could get my own youtube channel going that really gives me creative freedom to do whatever i want right like i can you know, I can post vlogs and, and stuff when the season's going on about how the season goes. And then I could also do a bunch of other sports. So, I mean, it's a pretty ambitious goal, I think, but you know, I, I can teach tennis on the side and until that point, and I'll probably just keep grinding at that. So I would say probably YouTube and social media would be the end goal. So, Cause then I can keep competing. And uh, is there anything else you'd want to just say about ice cross, uh, ice cross, um, like your brand maybe, or just anything in general that you'd like people to know? Yeah, I, I think the most important is just is getting new people into ice cross. And as I said, the, the best way that, because I get all the time, you know, people ask, oh, like, how do I get into that? And it's, it's, it's honestly super easy. You just, you go to icecross.org and it'll have all the information you could ever want to know on the sport. It'll tell you how to register and create your own profile and then uh, go to as many races as you can get to, so... Well, that's all I have for you, Rob. Thanks so so much for taking the time to talk to me. I really, really enjoyed talking to you, man. Yeah, no, this this has been fun, Angus. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed listening to Rob and I's conversation. If you'd like to see more of Rob's content, you can visit his Instagram page at robwhirling14. And if you'd like to get involved in IceCross, you can do so at icecross.org. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. This week's episode of The Scramble was edited by Francesca Lim and features original music by artist Ib Dag Gib, a member of the Queen's Music Production Collective, Q-Wave. The Scramble is a Queen's Journal podcast produced by Lauren Thomas, executive produced by Matt Scase and Rachel Hazinga.